This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, September 7th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hartz. You may be surprised to learn the number of people holding unused gift cards and the value of those cards have. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, speculation and expected Fed rate hikes remains top of mind. We're joined by David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors based in Denver, Colorado, and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thanks for joining us today. The Fed, uh, they don't meet or they won't meet until the end of September, but it seems like a, a consensus is building about a 75 basis point uh, rate hike when they do meet uh, almost three weeks from, from from now. I certainly agree with that consensus. I'm looking for 75 basis points in September, uh, three quarters of a percentage point uh, in rate hike as well. Um, I'm also looking for some more rate hikes before the end of the year, maybe a slightly smaller one at the November policy meeting, maybe 50 basis points or half a percentage point. And let's let's end up the year with uh, perhaps a 25 basis point hike or a quarter of a percentage point, uh, that would bring us to uh, three quarters to 4% in that target rate. I think that's uh, moving in the direction that Chairman Powell wanted. Remember, Chairman Powell has told us we want forceful and rapid steps to bring interest rates down. That means higher rates for longer and stay at it until the job is done. Uh, That's exactly what the Fed is doing. What does uh, Jerome Powell want to see out of this uh, this round of uh, rate hikes? I mean, obviously, he wants to see uh, the back of inflation broken. But at the same time, uh, on, on the way to that goal, uh, does he want to see the markets reacting positively to this news? Does he want to see uh, stronger than expected reports on the services sector and on hiring? Well, I think... Uh Two things are going to happen um, as a result of these aggressive rate increases, which, by the way, could even continue on into next year. Uh, One, he wants to see inflation clearly starting to come down, but I think it's going to be sticky, and I think it's going to stay significantly higher than the Fed's 2% target uh, through this year and perhaps next year as well. So the Fed is not going to be happy with it. The other thing I think the Fed has to see is a higher unemployment rate. We were at 3.7 in the August uh, employment report, uh, 3.7% unemployment rate. I think the Fed probably is looking at a 5% unemployment rate when we get to the peak in rates and maybe even a 5% 
target rate. So we've got a long way to go. And I think the Fed is fixed. Its attention is fixed solely on bringing inflation down and very little else. And then uh, lastly, uh, if, if they're thinking about, uh, if, if their target uh, unemployment rate is uh, somewhere in the 5% range, does that mean the uh, soft landing rhetoric uh, has been completely abandoned? Exactly. I, I've given up on that uh, some time ago. And uh, I think the Fed was saying it would hope for a soft landing, but I think reality says it's going to be a harder one than that. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, why you may want to conduct a search for gift cards that are lying around the house. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's estimated that nearly half of people are holding on to unspent gift cards and the total value of all of them is staggering. Let's learn more from Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. When you add up all of those gift cards that are sitting in junk drawers or dresser drawers or uh, somebody's closet somewhere, uh, spent and also with uh, some balance remaining, what does that number work out to be? $21 billion, would you believe it or not, across the country. In fact, it's believed that about $1 billion of that is Starbucks gift cards. So that almost makes them like a bank in a way. Uh, Among people with unused gift cards, it's $175 a person on average. That's up from $116 last year. So we're talking real money. I actually think putting these cards to use represents an inflation-busting strategy of sorts. It's a way to get some free money. As far as uh, the retailers and restaurants are concerned, uh, how is that uh, unspent gift card value reflected on their balance sheets? From a retailer's perspective, they can't fully realize the revenue until you redeem the card. They do get some cash flow benefits right away. And this was actually a thing in the early stages of the pandemic. A lot of people bought gift cards, especially for small local businesses, to try to keep them afloat. So they get the money right away, but they can't fully book the revenue until you use it. There are some kind of confusing accounting rules, like after a certain number of years, you can claim some of it as breakage, as in it may never get used. Um, But from a consumer standpoint, let's use them and be aware of things like expiration dates. Uh, Sometimes gift cards have these. They have to be at least five years in the future, but still watch out for that. Inactivity fees are a more immediate concern. Those can kick in after 12 months of non-use. And then there's also things like you might lose the card or the retailer may go out of business, or uh, if nothing else, you're just losing value to inflation as it sits around. 20 years ago, there was a a push for legislation in a number of states to uh, make sure that gift cards uh, didn't expire uh, so you could keep those benefits. Uh, In Illinois, uh, to the best of your knowledge, or or elsewhere in the Midwest, uh, what are some of the the legal uh, 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 boundaries surrounding gift card balances and when they could expire? Expiration dates are not as much of a concern anymore. The new rule is that if gift cards expire, it has to be at least five years 
into the future. In practice, though, most retailers have done away with those expirations entirely. The ones that I tend to see that have expiration dates tend to be the more general purpose Visa, MasterCard, Amex kind of gift cards, the ones that are basically as good as cash. Um, So retailer-specific cards, I'm not as worried about expiration, but I would worry about those inactivity fees. Um, But really more than anything, it's being our own worst enemy and forgetting to use it or or losing the card. Um, Also, the store may go out of business. I actually hear a lot from people who have this kind of graveyard of retailers past and they're like, oh, what do I do with this old Radio Shack card or this old uh, Toys R Us card? Unfortunately, you're out of luck when the store closes down. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us. That actually happened to me not too long ago. Uh, found a gift card for a uh, retailer that uh, had gone to that big shopping mall in the sky. Coming up next, you probably heard of house flipping, but are you familiar with flipping a car? And no, it's not a feat of strength. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Some people have a side hustle to make some extra cash flipping cars. Not literally. Let's find out how it works and what some of the risks are from Matt Jones, auto industry analyst and spokesperson for True Car based in Los Angeles. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it is a it is a, an old adage about as old as the auto industry itself. I think when the second car was built, uh, somebody said, you know, that car loses $10,000 in value the moment you drive it off the lot. Uh, but the modern day car flipper uh, found a way to uh, short circuit that old saw. Yeah. So what people are doing is taking advantage of the the, the tight inventory and, uh, you know, buying cars ahead of their arrival at dealerships. You know, most of us are used to going into a dealership and finding the car that we want and saying, hey, I'll take that one. But uh, in this inventory crunch, what's happening is some people are buying cars ahead of their arrival and sometimes ahead of their production date. And folks are using this opportunity to get in early on a car and they're purchasing those cars before they hit the dealership lots and then, yeah, uh, flipping them for profit uh, once they uh, once the, dealer, the, the car arrives at the dealership and they take possession. And this requires a, a, a great deal of savvy and knowledge about how the car manufacturing and sales process works. Um, if you want to do this, uh, what where, where do you start, and then uh, how do you sell it to stay one step ahead of the dealer? <laughs> well, I think the first the, the first thing that you do, and the first place that you start, is you have to under really understand your stomach for potential loss. You know, right now it seems like a a pretty easy deal. Everybody's hearing about cars being sold for over sticker price, and you know, getting in on that game. Um, but that's not necessarily going to be the long term play on this. So if a person were to purchase a car, uh, you know, in the beginning of September, for example, with the expectation of flipping it in December, uh, the market may change by December and they may get stuck with that car. So I think that's the first thing that people should really be considering is what is your stomach for getting stuck with this car if the market changes or your buyers dry up? Uh, but if you're willing to, you know, take on that risk, it's first understand, you know, what is coming out that has the highest demand and the dealerships that are allowing people to buy them ahead of time. I think we're hearing people uh, flipping Corvettes uh, are pretty popular. Uh, A lot of the EVs are popular. Some of the high-dollar SUVs are popular. And so it's building a relationship with the dealership, understanding what's coming into their inventory, and then weighing that inbound inventory versus what you perceive to be 
uh, purchase market outside and around it. So it's kind of like these folks who, you know, buy tickets and then sell them on StubHub or buy shoes and then sell them on Sneakerhead. It's just you have to have a lot of um, tolerance for failure because <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you do it wrong this way, it's, it's going to be a pretty expensive thing. But if you do it right, I guess it could be lucrative. That's why so many people are in it. How prevalent is this practice and uh, does it run the risk of uh, making life more difficult for people who just want to buy a car to drive it? It absolutely makes life more difficult for people who want to buy a car to drive it. Uh, the, w- what's happening is it's becoming so prevalent that, you know, some dealers are saying, well, hey, consumers are going to take this car and sell it for over MSRP. Well, if anybody should sell it for over MSRP, it should be us. We're the ones who ordered it and we're the ones who sell the brand. So it's artificially inflating an already, uh, you know, inflated uh, market cost. So it's definitely not necessarily good for buyers. The second reason it may not be so great for buyers is that it's changing the way that car makers, some car makers, are honoring their warranties. There's been some car makers who have said to people, hey, if this car is sold uh, within 6 to 12 months from its original purchase date, we're going to view you as like a car flipper and we're just going to avoid the warranty for the car. Now, that might affect somebody who actually needs to sell a car six or seven months down the road because of a pregnancy or a job change or something like that, you know. So this is not necessarily a good move for for the car buying public as as a whole. And is this also uh, something, a practice that can go away as uh, more manufacturers take on the uh, Tesla model of direct-to-consumer selling uh, without a dealer involved? Yeah, if that if that market does, you know, if that does uh, end up, you know, becoming the thing that people are talking about, then yeah, the, the, the flipping option uh, may become uh, a little bit less uh, exciting um, because if everybody can get it for the same price and, you know, this, this, this brokering thing isn't really necessary. But I think, um, I think if we look at it from a whole, two years ago, you know, summer of 2020, this idea wouldn't have even been like a conversation because, you know, the market was so depressed. You know, there was huge discounts on cars everywhere, free interest rates. You know, there was a complete flip from where we're at right now. Two years from now, it could be a flip again. So it's, 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 it's a pretty dangerous proposition, I think, for, for somebody who wants to do that again, unless they are just, you know, willing to roll those dice. <laughs> Matt Jones, auto industry analyst and spokesman for True Car, based in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, it appears the turbulence of the past few years is prompting more people to reassess their lives and alter their financial plan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Mike Krauser. The organizers of Lollapalooza pay more than $400,000 for restoration work in Grant Park. President Biden takes a glance back as he looks forward towards a future with less cancer. In personal finance Wednesday, the pandemic and other jarring events are causing people to rethink their plans for the future. It's a big day in California as Apple unveils its latest products. WBBM business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 270 points. The NASDAQ is up 134. The S&P 500 is up 42. AccuWeather says turning out mostly sunny, pleasant, a high near 80 away from the lake. 76 along the lakefront. We have 78 degrees right now in Chicago at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, the organizers of Lollapalooza will be paying several hundred thousand dollars for the repair and restoration of Grant Park. The story from WBBM's Mike Krauser. Returning the park to its pre-festival state is part of the deal and it varies from year to year depending on the weather. In 2011, the most expensive year, the organizers paid more than a million dollars. There was heavy rain and fields turned to mud. This year's total, according to the Chicago Tribune, is just under $410,000. That's $120,000 more than last year. In 2019, the cost was six hundred forty-five dollars Much of the work, including new sods, seed, shrubs, and irrigation, has been completed. Lollapalooza has a deal for another 10 years in the park. Some, including downtown alderman Brendan Riley, have been critical of the fact that parts of the park cannot be used for months after the festival. He'd like to see the organizers assist with a permanent flood management system that would eliminate annual repairs. That's the story from Grant Park. President Biden will highlight what he calls this generation's moonshot next week. It was 60 years ago Monday that John F. Kennedy laid out his vision for American space travel. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. At the JFK Library in Boston Monday, President Biden will detail his own moonshot. We can end cancer as we know it. Earlier this year, he set a goal of cutting cancer death rates in half over the next 25 years, while boosting treatments and quality of life for patients and caregivers. It's personal. Bo Biden died of cancer in 2015. Then Vice President Biden launched the cancer moonshot the following year. Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 1232. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Uh, stocks are pushing higher today. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us today. The Fed consensus seems to be circling around a 75 basis point uh, interest rate hike when they meet later this month, and the markets go up. Does this mean that investors uh, don't like surprises? Uh, I wouldn't read too much into today's action. We've had now several weeks of relentlessly rising yields and uh, consistently declining stock prices. Uh, and today you're just getting a technical uh, reversal that the uh, the market was oversold. The, um, uh, uh, the S&P held 3,900, which many analysts believe to be an important technical um, uh, uh, level. And then you got a surprise drop in, uh, in Treasury yields uh, uh, at the same time that you had several Fed speakers uh, increasingly hawkish and a Washington Post article sort of cementing the 75 basis point increase. So market action is diverging from the fundamentals, which are that we're faced with several, several more months 
of uh, an aggressive Fed, and we don't yet know what its implications are for the economy and uh, corporate profits going forward. And then uh, just taking a look at uh, the Federal Reserve's uh, thought process, especially uh, the, you know, the, the, the much more hawkish rhetoric this week uh, compared to uh, some hawkish statements of pre- in, 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 uh, not too long ago, is uh, if, if they look at uh, things like um, stronger-than-expected hiring reports, uh, stronger-than-expected manufacturing reports, uh, the stock market reacting positively to some kind of announcement, uh, linked or not, uh, do they sit back and say we're doing our job? Yes, I think that they 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 um, view the strong economy and the uh, improved liquidity uh, uh, conditions in the financial markets as giving them more runway and leeway to accomplish what they want to accomplish. They feel that they they made a, a significant mistake last year by being too easy for too long. Their credibility is on the line. They can't afford to make a mistake here in terms of uh, slowing down and then having inflation reaccelerate. So I think they're they're willing to run the risk of overkill, uh, which incidentally is is a real risk because if you look around the world, China is slowing, uh, Europe is is destined for a a, a very rough winter, and while the U.S. is strong, uh, interest rate increases take effect with a lag. So we we may be finding that the Fed is raising uh, just as we're slowing in in the uh, uh, the final months of the year, but. The Fed is going to be relentless here, and uh, uh, they want to regain their, regain their credibility. They will ultimately prevail over inflation. The question is, what's the economic cost? Lastly, and very quickly, uh, if it does look like the economy is turning south uh, in, in an unambiguous fashion, how quickly can they pivot? Uh, well, they have the ability to pivot quickly, but I don't think they will. I think they're going to uh, they, they may stop raising, but they're going to keep rates high for a long period of time. It's going to take time to squeeze inflation down from 9 percent back towards 2 percent. So uh, they may or may not stop at the end of the year, but they're not going to lower rates next year unless there's something dramatically uh, negative that uh, none of us foresee uh, as we speak today. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Thank you for joining us. Up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, how the so-called great change is impacting financial strategies. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and the craziness of the past few years Years has pushed many people to take a fresh look at their lives and their plans for the future. And this will also impact investment and money strategies. We welcome in Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. The disruptions brought about by the pandemic gave many people time to think. It also greatly disrupted everybody's routine. It put everybody under one roof, possibly for the first time for an extended period of time and maybe many years or perhaps many decades. And uh, as a result, uh, everyone came out on the other side with a different set of priorities. And Craig, uh, you say you're beginning to see this uh, in the financial plans you're being asked to draft. Oh, my heavens, Rob, absolutely. You know, whenever you take a pause, you put a pause on life, people tend to reflect, and you nailed it on the head. As a practitioner, we have more financial modeling happening 
now than we ever had. It's people quitting jobs to go to a new one. It's people that are moving, relocating. It's even people getting divorced. It's multi-generational households that are actually going to stay together and a blending of finances up and down the generations. This is an epic arc that's happening and playing out every day of the week for financial planners across the country. Now, the uh, the, the divorce component is certainly uh, a very kind of a, a, probably the, the saddest part of your job uh, in trying to uh, you know make sure someone can plot the future uh, during this very traumatic time for them personally. On the other hand, uh, helping somebody craft a plan about helping them find their dream job or start a business or uh, do something they didn't have the time or the energy or the courage to do before, uh, that's got to be very exciting for you and gratifying if it works. Well, I, I think it really is. You know, the depth of relationships, you know, there's this incredible reciprocity, you know, between money and values and just, you know, this interconnectedness. And when we're sitting in the conference room, sitting on Zoom, sitting on the phone with people, it's amazing to hear how their outlook or their views towards money changes over time. And I think people's values relative to what is important about money to them today, post-pandemic, it's very different. You know, people are trying to find this work-life balance and it's just never ending. And that's leading to a lot of financial plans, a lot of rejiggering, and really trying to dial in where's that sweet spot between, you know, pursuing passions and then traditional work environments. Nothing short of amazing. Now, you may not be uh, encountering uh, the situation that uh, Albert Brooks tried to do in the great movie Lost in America, where they uh, quit their jobs and try to live off a nest egg in an RV while crossing the country. You may not be encountering that, or maybe you have, but uh, what's the most common uh, post-pandemic pivot that uh, your clients are trying to execute? Uh, simple. Geography. It is so many people wanting to move from where they currently live. We represent clients in 41 states into a climate that supports much more of an adult active lifestyle. So people are certainly chasing sunshine and warmer weather. And the ability to work hybrid or telecommute, as I call it, is definitely pushing on that. So that's the number one change, Rob. It's people changing their geography. It's the location. Craig Milano's founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, Apple unveils its newest product. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Apple is unveiling new products during a launch event at its headquarters in California today. Joining us to check out the buzz is Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics in Glenview. Carl, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like so far uh, most of the announcements have uh, surrounded the uh, Apple Watch Series. Uh, what are some of the new features of uh, the Apple Watch Series 8, which was announced today? Sure, yeah, that's the one they tackled first. So the Series 8 was uh, it has a larger focus on women's health. So they're, they're, the way they track temperature and things like that, uh, they'll be able to give retrospective ovulation estimates. They make women more aware of cycle deviations. So it's uh, largely focused on women's health. And there's also a car crash detection feature. So they worked on that for, for a long, long time. 
to make it able to detect if you get into a rollover crash, if you get into a front-end collision, different things like that to kind of help uh, help you help make it easier for you to contact someone in case of an emergency like that. Now, the, uh, there's also... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Say the, uh, the iPhone 14 announcements uh, have not come out yet, but will those emergency features, the car crash detection, uh, the ability to uh, send out a, a call for help uh, if you're unable to do so, will that uh, extend to the iPhone as well? That should also extend to the iPhone as well. I don't think they're going to make that exclusive just to the watch. It sounded like that technology is going to be implemented there also. And then uh, on the Apple Watch uh, Ultra, they will have uh, some a brighter display to make it easier to read in direct sunlight. Has that been a uh, common complaint uh, since the I- the Apple Watch came out in 2015? That's kind of a complaint anytime there's an OLED type of display. So, yeah, that's going to be a huge improvement, especially on a watch that is designed to be worn in kind of those elements where you might be out in some really bright sunlight and have to be able to see the data that you're getting on your watch. And then uh, this may be a a, a topic that is above all of our pay grades, but uh, it's interesting that Apple is uh, um, wading into uh, women's health, especially at a time where uh, it may expose them to uh, legal liability in a number of states. Was was there any discussion about that? You know, that was actually a focus as well, is they've they've really placed an emphasis on security of that information. So they have, it's very granular. You can can really kind of tell the watch what information you want to be able to send to a doctor or to to be able to have others potentially see. So they're, they're taking that very, very seriously. The uh, car crash detection feature uh, that not only detects uh, the motion of a rollover crash, but could also uh, send out a uh, call for help. How would that work? It basically uses the insides of the watch to detect uh, like G-forces, basically. So it's, it's, it's able to detect if you've had a large impact or if there's a change in the air pressure within the car cabin uh, that can be a result of an airbag going off. So it has these very very specialized sensors built into it that can tell all of that type of stuff. Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics in Glenview, thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.